You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome to your Canadians Connection on Rocket Sports Radio. This premier hockey podcast featured at CanadiansConnection.fm brings you the latest news, in-depth analysis, and expert commentary about the NHL's most storied franchise, the Montreal Canadiens, hosted by Rick Stevens and Michael Spinella. Our team of credentialed journalists provides behind-the-scenes insight on the Canadians, designed to inform, entertain, and engage Habs fans around the globe. We are proud to be the trusted source for all things Habs for more than a decade. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Michael Spinella, and I'll be your host for the next hour. This is episode 266 of the Canadians Connection podcast, and I'm very pleased to be joined in the studio by my co-host, the editor of the Hockey News Montreal, the founder and the president of Rocket Sports, Rick Stevens. How are you doing today, Rick? I'm doing great, thanks. Um, My goodness, what a busy week it's been since we last talked to uh, our wonderful listeners. Um, I I had to look twice because it says that the the Canadians have only played three games this season, but (laughs) with all the news there is, with everything that's happened, um, we seem to be much further along than that. Yeah, I agree. Uh, We're going to have a lot of news to get to on this first segment. Uh, Of course, a couple of games happened since we last were here. Uh, We're going to talk some prospects as well. Uh, The Laval Rocket have played a few more than two games so far. They've had a pretty busy season as of yet. And then just some general news from around the NHL. In segment two, we're going to welcome Dr. Stephen Morris to the show, our uh, brand new Rocket Sports medical consultant as we take a look inside the injury with Doc Morris examining Doc's road to recovery and the Canadians' ability to rally. And in segment three, of course, it's the Have Your Say segment. Our Canadians' connection question of the week is, in the absence of Kirby Doc, who do you think will step up to the plate and fill his role? Rick, if uh, our listeners wanted to tune in, uh, let us know uh, their thoughts. What's the best way for them to do so? My expectation is that they had a lot to say last week, but I expect they're going to have a lot more to say this week. This is episode 266 of the Canadians Connection. And as we said, there's a ton to re- for them to respond to. Uh, so they can text us at 5853ROCKET, 5853ROCKET, or send us an email, hello at rocketsports.com. Um, media.com hello at rocketsportsmedia.com you can also reach out to us on our social medias just making sure you're following at habs connection on twitter facebook and instagram also check out our website for at uh, canadiansconnection.fm you can find every single episode of this podcast here and like you said 266 episodes so quite a bit of content to get to Mm mm-hmm 
Uh, also, just a reminder here, uh, check out our comprehensive game previews and post-game recaps for every Canadian's game at THN.com slash Montreal. And here's what's happened since we've been gone. Uh, we've had a couple of games, like we said, uh, if we want to go all the way back to last Saturday, October the 14th, uh, it was the home opener. Uh, Chicago comes to visit Montreal, uh, the debut of uh, Bedard at uh, Bell Centre, and uh, Bedard is getting booed. Not sure how to feel about that one, I guess, Habs fans disappointed that he's not in Montreal, although I will say not his fault, so I'm not sure why there was some booing going on. Uh, Habs dominated the face-off circle, winning 75%. Uh, they scored three goals in the second period. Pearson, Caulfield, and Monaghan all found the back of the net. Uh, the Hawks cut that down to a one-goal lead. Two goals from Tyler Johnson in the third, but they came up just short, and uh, Rick... Very disappointing uh, home opening ceremony in this one. Uh, I, I feel like a lot of our listeners were quite disappointed and let us know about that. Um, yeah, I, I think it's it's been well known and and um, repeated often that the Montreal Canadiens uh, have one of the best ceremonies um, in, in sports. I, I'll go beyond the NHL, in sports. In fact, you always hear there are two... Um, there are two organizations on earth that know how to do ceremony. That's the Mont- Montreal Canadiens and, uh, the house of Windsor, um, Buckingham palace. Um, but not this year, my goodness, that was in my, I've seen a lot of opening ceremonies. That was the worst Montreal Canadian ceremony by a wide margin and may have been one, uh, one of the worst I've seen considering outside of the Canadians, NHL overall, it was terrible. It was absolutely terrible. You had groups of, of players coming out, and then they'd all kind of step forward, and they'd all shuffle around the circle. It was all, you know, choreographed, and it, it was silly. It was absolutely silly. Um, it, it wasn't the Montreal Canadiens. Um, and and the, that collective... We heard afterwards that, um, you know, the Canadians don't have any one star, so uh, they wanted to to come out as a group. Uh, That's honestly just silly. Um, No torch. There was no torch. What is the torch? Why is the torch so important uh, to the Montreal Canadiens? And and Kent Hughes and, and Marty said afterwards that, they wanted. Uh, they they had a memo from the league. It was about timing. Um, they wanted to break from the past. This is a new Montreal Canadiens. Well, what are the Montreal Canadiens without their past? Without their, everybody calls it their storied history. There's nothing. I haven't done anything in thirty years. So so, you have to rely on the past. And the past, that torch, is significant because um, it represents what's on. It rings the, the Canadian's dressing room, the, the, poem, the poem, and you all know it, to you from failing hands we throw the torch, be yours to hold high. Um, in Flanders Fields uh, is the name of the poem, 1915, John, Mac- John McRae, um, he was more than a poet, he was a medical officer in the, war- in the First World War. Um, he had a remarkable career, medical career, uh, that included stops at Montreal General and um, Royal Vic, the Royal Victoria Hospital in Montreal. Um, and the Canadians have adopted that, have adopted a, a phrase of that poem, and it's meaningful. And it's, it's that torch is being passed from generations. And if you look at that poem and include a little bit more than the, the familiar, the, the, what rings the, uh, the dressing room, 
it says, take up our quarrel with the foe. That's talking about past generations of soldiers in the poem, and the Canadians have adopted it as past generations of of players. Um, To you from failing hands we throw the torch, be yours to hold it high, continues, if ye break faith with us who die, we shall not sleep. So was it breaking faith by not including the torch? Of course it was. Uh, This was a horrendous opening ceremony. You may think I'm making too much of it, but this is the Montreal Canadiens. This is the Montreal Canadiens. They didn't introduce Carey Price. He's on the roster. No introduction of Carey Price until later during the game. He was shown in the the press box. This was... And and then goes on to the American anthem, and and the anthemist misses half the words, mispronounces half the words. Um, that, that was an embarrassment. Uh, I I I'm not surprised that of all the comments we received, of all the texts we received, of all the emails we received, most of our listeners commented on how horrible. The opening ceremonies uh, c- ceremonies uh, were, and the, and the Connor Bedard thing you mentioned, that was just a lack of class. That was juvenile that he was booed every time. Um, and, and don't tell me that it was the ultimate res- sign of respect, <laughs> because that that's silly. That's a silly argument. Um, so off to a bad start there, uh, I think, despite the Canadians getting the win. Absolutely. And uh, a few more things that uh, went on in this game. Uh, the Kirby Dock injury, he left early after taking a hit from Jared Tenorti. That's going to be a reoccurring topic and uh, it's going to relate to our big topic segment. So we won't get into it too much. But uh, any further takeaways from this home opener? I think I think I said <laughs> no. And, and, and listen, it's not just me. It's not I'm, I, I feel an obligation to represent um, the our listeners and um, the comments that we received, and some of them were really upset about uh, the Canadians' opening night uh, game, uh, opening home opener ceremony. Absolutely. Uh, tons of fans, tons of fans who have been with the team for a long time. And uh, yeah, if you go onto Twitter, if you go anywhere, I think uh, the consensus was this was a huge miss by the Montreal Canadiens. And uh, hopefully this is a mistake they don't make again. Uh, we'll have to wait and see on that. But uh, disappointing all around uh, when, you know, they just essentially broke the tradition there. And uh, like you said, uh, this team has a lot of history. You take that away and there's really not much there. I, I know there's a lot of newer fans, but uh, those newer fans uh, probably took on their fandom from their parents who remember all those days with uh, the Montreal Canadiens winning tons and tons of Stanley Cups. So... Uh, I think we both agree, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners do agree as well, that uh, that opening ceremony, huge miss by the Montreal Canadiens organization. Yeah. Uh, moving along to uh, the next game on October the 17th, uh, Montreal falls 5-2 to two to the Minnesota Wild. Uh, just a bad effort all around. Uh, to me, what stood out the most is the Habs' power play somehow got worse in this game. Uh, they gave up two goals against on their power play. So two shorthanded goals by the Minnesota Wild uh, while they, while the Montreal Canadiens just could not get anything together on the power play. Uh, Montembeau looked a little bit slow. Uh, my, I think the goal that stood out to me the most was one that uh, kind of uh, the puck bounced off of Montembeau's shoulder. It goes straight up in the air. You see him look straight up and then the puck falls behind him and 
into the net, and he didn't really react at all. So not a good look there, and uh, the Minnesota Wild go 3-for-8 on the power play. All the goals coming on special teams, either shorthanded or with the man advantage. So uh, not a great uh, start to this season for the Montreal Canadiens. I know Marty said that special teams weren't important last season, or in particular the power play wasn't important last year. It better start being important this year, and a good start to improving the the power play would be to fire Alex Burrows today. Is it his fault? Yes. Uh, not all his fault, but uh, a good portion. And and he's had plenty of time to prove himself. Uh, that two shorthanded goals on the same power play um, by Minnesota, that just speaks to a level of confusion of the players on the ice. And uh, that's, that's a coaching problem. Um, the other part of this game was... Uh, a little bit cringy was the fact that the Bell Center serenaded uh, the win of Mark Andre Fleury. I understand likely his last appearance uh, at the Bell Center. I understand a polite round of applause, but they were chanting his name at the end of the game. Um, and compare that to to uh, booing uh, Connor Bedard um, in the first game. A little bit odd. Absolutely. Uh, so the Canadians record one, one and one. So they have one of everything 24th in the NHL, one point back of the Toronto Maple Leafs. So make sure you check out Habs notepad, Habs headlines and feature articles and game day posts appearing regularly at THN.com slash Montreal. Taking a look at roster news, uh, as we said a few times here, Kirby Doc will uh, miss the remainder of the season with a knee injury. He left that game against Chicago, and uh, we'll take a deep dive into that in segment two with uh, Dr. Morris. And I think uh, the only thing I'll add here, because as you said, uh, Doc Morris is up in the second segment, um, is just we're going to watch for the ripple effect. The um, Doc has a, a, a major uh, impact on his uh, line mates, on his teammates, uh, when he's in the lineup, uh, what kind of, of of impact is he going to have being out of the lineup? Uh, another player was injured this past week. Caden uh, Gooley is day-to-day with an upper body injury. He left Tuesday's game and did not return. Uh, lots of mixed messages coming out before the official report here, but uh, nice to see the Caden Gooley's day-to-day. We'll see how long it takes him to come back. It's crazy. The, all of the and, and one of the reasons that we brought on a medical consultant um, this season is, is to have a bit of uh, have information that you can be confident in. Um, rumors were rampant on Twitter this week about Caden Gooley, um, talking about, you know, he's going to be out six to eight weeks with a broken wrist, all of this sort of thing. Even Elliot Friedman said, uh, Gooley is going to be out of action, quote, for a little while. Um, I thought it was interesting that Jonathan Kovacevic in the, um, uh, media availability after practice said, uh, we hope to see, uh, Caden again in two weeks. Um, so officially, as you said, by the Canadians day to day, it may be uh, a matter of a week or two. Uh, what was what was a bit um, I, I think it was good to see was Caden Gooley skated um, prior to practice uh, on Friday. And he was out there for uh, about 20 minutes um, uh, skating on his own. So that was good to see. Um, just adding, I had mentioned about Elliot Friedman and, and he had he had uh, referenced uh, Caden Gooley in his 32 thoughts. He also says, um, curious to see, and he's speaking about Caden Gooley being out, curious to see if this, if this gives Matthias Norlander 
now in Laval an opportunity. One thing is clear, Montreal feels much better about Norlander than it did a year ago. Much, much improved preseason um, performance. Um, and uh, one thing, one more thing I'll add, uh, just personally, um, a personal observation, that is that we hear over and over and over again from Marty St. Louis about, um, he, he often relies on, on his own career uh, to relate personal experiences uh, to the players uh, to, to, um, to say he understands. He's been through it. He's been through everything. In the very first speech he gave to the, the Canadian's um, dressing room, um, and, and many times since, um, he's emphasized that he's gone through every stage um, that the players that he's speaking to have gone through. He's, you know, he wasn't drafted. He was sent to the AHL. He, all of that. One thing that's missing, one thing that uh, Marty can't relate to from personal experience is injuries. Um, Marty was remarkably healthy during his career. And if you go through, um, you know, the hockey DB or elite prospects, you'll see um, 82 games, 82 games, 82 games, 80 games. Um, He was remarkably healthy. So will he be able to relate to a Kirby doc uh, who's, who's now going to be out um, the, the entire season? I said one more thing, but I'm going to add one more. Uh, just mm-hmm. because Elliot Friedman brought this up in his 32 Thoughts uh, doesn't relate to injuries, but it relates to Marty St. Louis. Um, and uh, let me just read this. Elliot Friedman says, An interesting thing in Montreal to start the season. Only Marty St. Louis does the verbal work with Uri Slavkovsky. Only, only Marty can speak to Slavkovsky. That way there's what? no... Yes, only Marty can speak to Yuroslav Kot. None of the other coaches, the development coach, none of the other coaches. So there's no confusion, no mixed messages, one voice. Um, I've never heard of anything like this before in my life. Yeah, that's that's a very confusing thing. Uh, I wish there was a little more information because this has many different implications that it could mean. And, uh, you know, uh, I was looking at that. We were talking about the power play. So I think Slavkovsky's on the second wave there. Is Burroughs not talking to him? Um, I, no, I, I guess it has to go through. I, I you know, this is information. And, and actually, I've heard it from a second source as well. Um, it's, it, it's uh, they want to take special care with Slavkovsky. Uh, he's a very important player to their future. Uh, special rules for a special player, I guess. All right. Well, I'd be curious to hear a lot more about that one, but uh, it seems like that's the all, all the information we have on that. Uh, but uh, going back to injuries, so with the injury to Kirby Doc, UL uh, Armia gets the call up. Uh, he's not going to play tonight on Saturday, the twenty first, though. Um, it's yeah. It it seems that uh, Michael Pozzetta will be back in the lineup, um, and Yoel uh, Armia will. It was called up, and and that's the right right recall uh, for sure. Um, lots of people talking about Joshua Watt. We'll talk about him in a minute. Um, but this is, this was the right move. Um, and then with Caden Gooley out, uh, that means that, uh, Justin Barron will play his first game of the season, um, um, against, uh, the Capitals and, and we'll see if once the Canadians, uh, go on a road trip, whether they'll add more. Um, if it all sounds, um, 
a little confusing, if it all sounds um, a little chaotic, um, remember what I said last week. Um, I, I think we just have to embrace the chaos. You know, we're going to see from the ridiculous to the miraculous uh, this season. We're going to, the Canadians fans are going to be on a roller coaster. So uh, th- thanks to uh, Amy Johnson for clipping. She said, you're going to need this, um, I think, every week going forward. Uh, she clipped that from, from last week's show. Uh, so yes, we're, um, as it seemed like chaos, yes, but we're embracing the chaos this season. A shame that was not included in your bold predictions episodes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> but uh, Habs might have some reinforcements at center on the way. Uh, Christian Dvorak is skating with the team. Uh, we mentioned this uh, started last week, so it's a good sign it's continuing. I think the original report said that uh, Dvorak would rejoin the team probably in November. Uh, the change this week is that he's wearing, we, we've always said he was in a non-contact jersey. This week he's in a regular jersey at practice. Uh, skating with the team and so that looks like his return is imminent except remember um, he was placed on LTIR he can't return early Um, he must be on IR for either 24 days or 10 games therefore that means he's probably ready he's probably ready uh, physically um, but the way they structured the salary cap to start the season uh, he's likely going to return as you said in November. So last season, uh, it was the Vegas Golden Knights that had the most Canadians and Quebecers on their team. And uh, Rick, I believe there was a bit of a change to this, at least to start the season. Uh, There is. Uh, The Montreal Canadiens now can uh, hold the title of Canada's team. They have 18 Canadian-born players on the roster, uh, on the opening night roster. Um, And um, yeah, Carey Price is on LTIR, he would make it 19. Um, You have um, the U.S. as the second most popular uh, uh, nationality on the Canadians, and uh, they only have three players. That would be Jordan Harris, Yessa Ulanen, and uh, Cole Caulfield. Um, Now there's Dvorak and and Weidman there as well. Um, What's interesting is the lack of uh, Europeans on the team, um, and uh, Yaroslavkovsky is the only European uh, Slovakian forward. Uh, we always hear some moaning about uh, the lack of uh, Quebec-born players on the Canadians. Uh, again, they have the most in the NHL. There are only about enough um, Quebec-born players in the league for one per team. The Canadians have four times that amount. They have four um, uh, Quebec-born players on the NHL roster. They have 11 uh, in the AHL. Uh, That gives them 15 in the organization. That's double the number of the next highest. uh, And uh, that team is the the New York Islanders and then Pittsburgh and then Washington. Uh, One uh, NHL player, five AHL players uh, for six so um, we can put that argument to bed, can't we? For At least for this season, please. <laughs> well, uh, Vegas Golden Knights, obviously last year they held those titles. They won the cup. So uh, is this year <laughs> Montreal's turn? Yeah, uh, maybe that's not. That's it. But, yeah. It, it <laughs> anyways. Be, that would be chaotic for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> but uh, anyways, I, I know like um, a lot of people do look into this. Personally, I, I, I'm not a, 
I don't really keep track of this and unless it's the Olympics, of course. But uh, <laughs> like you said, there you go. The argument's to rest. It, it's happened. Yeah. And uh, on that note, uh, I think let's get to our Habs prospect report. It's time for the Rocket Report. The Rocket Sports Media team is your premier source for information about the Laval Rocket, the AHL affiliate of the Montreal Canadiens, as well as Habs prospects playing in the CHL, NCAA, and leagues around the world. Bookmark THN.com slash Montreal to follow our comprehensive coverage of Canadians prospects. So each week we like to highlight a Montreal Canadiens prospect. Uh, this week uh, we're going to shine the spotlight on Florian Jackeye, a uh, fourth round pick from this past uh, draft, picked at 101, currently playing uh, with the Bulldogs of the OHL. Uh, Florian has five points in six games and uh, 20, 20 penalty minutes so far. Fascinating. Uh, I remember he was called the unicorn by Nick Bobroff um, in the draft meetings. Uh, so yes, five points in uh, six games. In his first five games this season, he had three game misconducts. <laughs> three game misconducts. One for slew footing, one for leaving the bench, and one for instigating a fight. So um, points, five points in six games, as you said, and plenty of game misconducts. That uh, definitely befits the description of a unicorn. Yep, uh, very much uh, Jack Eye. Uh, <laughs> I, I guess a Jack Eye younger brother is a good description of, of him. And uh, with that note, uh, we'll let our listeners decide if that's a good thing or not. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, a few weeks ago, uh, we put the spotlight on Bogdan uh, Kanushkov, and uh, well, this uh, this week he was uh, named as one of the KHL's All Stars, so he'll be going to the KHL All Star game. Uh, he continues to impress. Uh, it's a really good uh, season so far for Bogdan. Terrific, uh, terrific season, and and uh, playing a lot of minutes, and and quite worthy of. Uh, yes, they're picking uh, the representatives for the All Star game already. Uh, Kanushkov will be um, a representative as well. You might have heard the name uh, Matt Vemichkov before. Yes, he's um, <laughs> he's going to the KHL All-Star game as well. Last week, uh, we reported that David Reinbacker uh, sustained an injury um, after assessment. No fractures. He'll be back between one and three weeks. So not uh, as bad as it, we once were speculating, at least. Yeah, um, he had an MRI. And, and as you said, it's great news. Uh, no fractures. Anthony Martineau from uh, TVO Sport uh, says that um, he he is experiencing pain. He'll he'll undergo physiotherapy, and um, it, it's unknown how he's going to respond to physiotherapy. But uh, the expectation is one to three weeks. And uh, fresh off the press from last night, uh, it appears that Lane Hudson sustained an injury. I don't think we have any updates as of yet. Yeah, there was a bit in the third period. Um, he he suffered a, a big hit a big hit in the corner um the bu boston university head coach jay pandolfo um his quote on lane hudson was he's being evaluated uh, we'll know more saturday uh, and we'll find out saturday from the trainers and staff where he's at that's a quote from uh, his coach jay pandolfo and is it too early to revisit the 2022 NHL draft? Yes. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> the Athletic did it anyway. Um, the infamous uh, Uri Slavkovsky draft uh, here in Montreal, and uh, kind of surprising to me, uh, Uri Slavkovsky remains number one on the Athletics list, although they mentioned it's by a very slim margin. Rising all the way to number two is David Yurichek. Uh Cooley stays at three. 
Uh, a couple other uh, Montreal draft picks uh, moved around. Lane Hudson comes up to 25, uh, Owen Beck at 29. Philippe Machar falls back to 63. Miguel Tourney uh, goes to 65. Uh, Adam Engstrom at 66. So uh, a little bit all over the place so far. But like uh, we kind of said, this seems pretty early, and a lot of these players haven't actually played any NHL games yet. Well, it's interesting. As you said, uh, Slavkovsky keeps that uh, number one uh, position. And uh, uh, the the quote was by a razor thin, razor tight margin. Uh, and this is uh, Corey Pronman from The Athletic, his rankings. Um, we had talked about David Juracek in the summer on the podcast because I kind of floated the idea, what if the Canadians uh, passed on Yuri Slavkovsky? You know, if you listen to our um, podcast that I was, um, we both liked Logan Cooley, may have been our pick as the first overall. But uh, this summer, I, I kind of floated the idea what if the Canadians took their mobile defenseman last draft, that being David Juracek, um, and as the, the first overall pick, and then were able to take their gritty forward this draft and picked up Ryan Leonard at number five. Um, I know it, it's all speculation, but it's kind of it's kind of fun to do. Interesting that uh, Pronman also um, looks like he's a lot higher on on David Yurichek, uh than where he went in the draft. Yeah, uh, so like we said, probably a bit too early. I think in a few more seasons, it would be nice to look back at this mm-hmm. draft just to see how it played out. But uh, interesting to me that uh, there was a lot of movement of uh, Habs prospects outside of the first round, uh, moving up quite a bit, uh, especially with Lane Hudson and Owen Beck. Yeah, for sure. And and Lane Hudson, uh, I think, um, absolutely uh, consensus was that he would have would have gone much higher. Um, but his size prevented that. The Canadians took a chance on him, and um, and and I think uh, their their gamble is going to pay off. Yeah, uh, taking a look at the Laval Rocket from uh, this past week, they had a bit of a busy one. Three games. Uh, if we want to go back to October the fourteenth, uh, Abbotsford visits Laval, and they win four to three. Uh, Laval Rocket go two for nine on the power play. Uh, Leas Anderson scores twice, but uh, Laval comes up short. Uh, a couple days in between, and uh, Rochester comes to Laval. And it's uh, an overtime win for Rochester, uh, winning 5-4. to four. Uh, The Rocket fight back with a couple of third-period goals, but uh, fall short in overtime. You may then, have seen, uh, just to, to interject there on that mm-hmm. game, you may have seen um, goalie goal uh, being... Um, it, it wasn't really... A, it, it was credited, a goal uh, credited to Strauss Mann, um, and not really a goalie goal because he didn't touch the puck. It was uh, a delayed penalty... Rochester tried to uh, send it from behind the goal line back to the point, and it just it missed and kept going and went in. Uh, Strauss man <laughs> happened to be the closest player to the puck when it was shot, and so he is credited for the goal. Yeah, highlight reel, of course. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for sure. That's how he'll tell it. And uh, the next game that happened was on the 20th of October. Uh, Laval gets their first win of the season and <laughs> kind of a wild one. 8-4 to four against Rochester. Uh, Jakob Dobis uh, got the start in this one after backing up for two. Uh, Joshua Waugh gets a hat trick. He kind of stole the show, and uh, it's amazing what happens when the prospects are contributing. <laughs> it sure is. Um, Joshua Waugh is now has become the top scorer in the AHL. Five goals, four assists, nine points in four games. And interesting thing, 
you might want to read Chris G's uh, recap again, THN.com slash Montreal. Um, he, he, there's a tidbit in there that I found fascinating. Scott Pellerin, the hockey development coach for uh, the Montreal Canadiens, happened to be in on practice and said, J.F. Uh, Wool, why don't you pair Joshua Waugh with Sean Farrell? I think they'd work really well together. Boy, did they ever work well together on Friday night, giving Laval their first win. Absolutely. So Laval's <laughs> record currently 1-2, one, 1-0, one, oh, 19th in the AHL. So a bit off to a bit of a rocky start, but uh, nice that they have that first win under the belts. For sure. And um, checking the, the scoring, they have three players. This This just doesn't happen. Three players in the top 20 in scoring. We talked about Joshua Waugh. Yol Armia, uh, he won't be able to add to that total for a while. And Leas Anderson, so three rocket in the top 20 in AHL scoring. Lots of goals being scored, lots of goals being scored against too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, forward Emil Heineman has sustained an upper body injury. Uh, he was looking good uh, uh, to start the season, but uh, kind of a shame that he's been injured pretty early on. Yeah, maybe, you know, who who's to tell, but... Could he have been, uh, if healthy, could he have been recalled um, instead of Yolarmia? Possibly, um, but unfortunately has an injury and, according to uh, Laval, is out indefinitely. Another injury coming to a player that uh, we thought had a great training camp, uh, Jared Davidson. He's week to week with a lower body injury. Yeah, it's unfortunate. And he hasn't played all that much. Um, uh, odd, odd choice because he had such a good training camp but uh, maybe he was suffering with a, an injury apparently that this uh, this injury was sustained during practice uh, so we'll we'll hopefully the Laval rocket will get him back soon it leaves remember we were talking about Laval rocket having 17 forwards 18 forwards at the start of the season now they're down to 12. Uh, Philippe Michard has returned to the Kitchener Rangers. Uh, the organization is lo- loaning him there, so kind of disappointing, uh, but I'm hoping he gets a little bit more ice time. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, again, a, a player that that um, that J.F. Wool just wasn't confident in playing. Um, you know, he, his first game this season, and he was benched for the third period, uh, Ull said uh, he needs to work on his defensive play. Well, uh, that applies to a lot of uh, a lot of, of players. Uh, anyway, uh, I think he'll be better served uh, back in Kitchener. Uh, just a note there um, that there's been a coaching change um, in in Kitchener, and uh, for my money, it's a good thing. Um, there was. Well, coaching, uh, the Kitchener Rangers fired um, Chris Dennis. Uh, that happened in February. Um, he was just seven months into uh, a three-year co- contract. And, and with a, you know, a community-owned team like that, um, they had to pay out $200,000. That's a big deal. So you know there had to have been really serious problems uh, for them to eat that cost and fire him so quickly. Uh, they brought in um, UC Ahokas, who's a tremendous coach from Finland, lots and lots of experience. Uh, I'm hoping that um, he's going to be able to work magic with um, with Mashar and, and that, that uh, Philippe Mashar will enjoy playing uh, for him in the OHL. Um, one more thing about Mashar before we go, and uh, Yuri Slavkovsky was asked about his friend, 
this morning, and um, Yaris said it's a little step back for him, but I'm sure uh, it can help him because last season was pretty good for him. But if he has an even better season now, it will give him much more confidence for next year's camp. And, and he went on to say he just needs to play. Yeah, and well, that brings me to my question. Are the prospects getting ice time in Laval? It really seems like J.F. Wool still likes his uh, AHL and ECHL fringe veterans. He seems to be giving those players the bulk of the ice time. Yeah, it's it, it, it's it's really disappointing. Um, I, I think it's clear. We, we've seen um, J.F. Wool play the veterans uh, when, when uh, the Laval Rocket have very few prospects. Uh, on the team, and now we're seeing him defer to the veterans when they have lots of prospects on the team. Friday night's game, there were n- there were no prospects in the top six. Um, Joshua Wah, um, Lucas Condada, and, and Sean Farrell were on the third line. Uh, Mashar and Meshach uh, were on the fourth line. No prospects in the top six, and there's lots of prospects in uh, Laval. There's no excuse for that. Yeah, and uh, we'll hear from Jakob Dobis. Uh, Dobis started in the first game of the season. It was a bit of a rough one. He uh, got pulled early on, and then, uh, well, he had to sit on the bench for the previous two games before finally getting back into the net and uh, getting the first one of the season. Uh, no, I definitely wanted the next one. You know, it was definitely a hard week of just, you know, swallowing a tough bill, you know. Definitely, I'm, I'm kind of excited to you know, show what what I can do. It was a long time because usually in the past, you know, if I have a bad game, I was in the net the next, next game, next day. Mm-hmm. So I had to, I could prove myself right away and kind of, you know, just turn the point around. So it was definitely, you know, not, it was a great week of practice, but like, you know, I still have it on my mind that I, you know, I want to prove myself and just have a better game and just get a win. So, you know, we can all be more happier and just have a, Kind of a better feeling in the locker room. It's a really telling quote. Um, Jakob Dobas played Friday night, second start, got his first uh, pro win, uh, his first win uh, in the AHL. Um, but he talked about how hard it was. Um, and and again, I don't understand the, the logic here. He was pulled uh, in that game where he had given up five goals. Not not his fault. The, Laval was playing awful against Abbotsford. Um, and at the time, I thought it was a bit of a, a, a mercy pull and agreed with it completely. Uh, throw in Strauss, man, he's not, you know, he has no future with the organization. Um, whatever happens, happens. And then get him back in the net uh, to start the next game. That didn't happen. Uh, in fact, Strauss, man, went on to uh, start the next two. And um, you can hear him, um, Jakob Dobas, say, you know, when I was, uh, he played for Ohio in, in the NCAA if I had a bad game, I was in the next. I was um, in the net the next game, and uh, I could I could you know rebuild my confidence and I could could prove that I was a solid goaltender. And and having him sit and having all of that on his mind, even though it wasn't his fault, was just really poor uh, goaltending, really poor player management management uh, by Lavelle. Um, and I really felt for him and and was really happy that he was able to get in the net. Um, and um, and get his first win on Friday night. 
Yeah, absolutely. It is a tough situation when you're a prospect. Uh, maybe you don't have uh, the greatest of luck uh, in a certain game and then to just get benched for a long period of time after that. What's the message, you know? Uh, is he going to have to go into every single game fearing that uh, if things don't go his way, he's going to be on the bench for more games upcoming, you know? Yeah, and, and you know, prior to Friday's game, and and um, there's there's a lot of audio. Uh, Chris was at practice on, on Friday and collected a lot of audio from the coach, from the the players, uh, and he collected that um, that audio from um, Jakob Dobas. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, Jeff Wool talked about it being a must-win on Friday night, that he was really disappointed in the first few games. He thought they'd have more wins, um, and so that that's why he was playing all of his veterans, because he thought the veterans could get him a win. Um, a must-win, really? <laughs> Four games into the season? Um, that's not, that's not the, the words of a, a coach who's really committed to development. Yeah. So we'll keep an eye on the Laval rocket. They have a couple of upcoming games between now and our next show, uh, on the 21st of October on Saturday, uh, they're going to take a trip to Belleville and then a few days off in between on the 27th of October. So I believe that's next Friday. Laval is going to go into Rochester. So watch out for those games and we'll continue our coverage here. And by request, uh, the the Trois-Rivières had their season opener on uh, the 20th of October. They get a win, 4-2. to two. Uh, Verbetic played very well in net, uh, goal and assist by Yakov Novak, who was uh, recently uh, acquired by them during the offseason. Yeah, so the Lions, uh, 4-2 win over Maine, uh, the Maine Mariners. Uh, you mentioned Joe Verbetic. And, and the other news we had this week is that the Laval Rockets signed Joe Verbetic to a one-year, two-way AHL contract. Um, so, uh, is is it going to be a tandem? Um, are are the 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 Laval Rocket looking a, ahead to Strauss Mann? Maybe, um, and and it would be more appropriate if he was in the ECHL and bringing up um, uh, Joe Verbetic, or or is this just insurance? Um, it's seeming more and more and more uh, that Caden Primo isn't being factored into the equation for Laval. So uh, keep an eye on uh, the prospects. Just head over to THN.com slash Montreal. And on top of that, we did launch our new prospects website uh, on the Hockey News. Uh, Rick, I know you're very excited to make this announcement. Really excited. We've been we've been previewing it uh, the, the last uh, few weeks. We uh, we've been trusted by the Hockey News uh, to report on uh, hockey at all levels throughout Quebec and the Maritimes. Uh, so we report on the Montreal Canadiens, the Laval Rocket, the Trois-Rivières Lions, but also now we're going to be reporting on uh, the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. And you can find uh, that coverage at THN.com slash QMJHL. Um, there's also a uh, Twitter account at Hockey News QMJHL, please go and follow that. Um, we have uh, um, articles on the website right now, uh, thn.com slash QMJHL from Jeremy Boucher, from myself, from Amy, uh, from um, Mike Raschel. Um, and uh, you're going to want to read all the coverage about Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, the, the new site that was launched uh, this past Wednesday. So just to reiterate, you can find all our content about Canadians prospects at THN.com slash Montreal. And you can find the best English language coverage of the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League at THN.com slash QMJHL.
And now it's a good time to get to our quotes of the week, and uh, it's going to be a very Kirby Doc central quotes of the week. We have a very special quote coming from Rick Stevens himself from uh, Canadians Connection podcast episode 265. Uh, let me just uh, talk about um, Kirby Doc because he's the key this season. He is the Cole Caulfield may uh, soak up all the headlines with his goal scoring, but the key player on this team this season is Kirby Doc. Um, away from that top line, he is his own person. He's able to exert his presence on the ice. He's able to, as you said, drive the play. He makes everybody he plays with better. He'll make Alex Newhook better. He'll make Uri Slavkovsky better if that line stays together. Um, Kirby Doc is is absolutely the key to to that line, um, and and if they can just jump on, you know, go for a ride with Kirby Doc, uh, he's going to take them places, and he's also going to take the team places. So um, buckle up and watch Kirby Doc. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> that was last week. How things can change uh, in a week. And last week I was telling you to watch Kirby Doc, uh, that he was the key to the line, the second line that he was centering with Slavkovsky and with Alex Newhook, that he was the even went a further step to say he was the key to the Canadian season. Um, and I, I kind of couched saying if that line stays together. Well, that line didn't stay together. Um and um, you know, I, it's it's a uh, it's difficult. Not only the injury, and we're, as we said, we're going to talk about that later. The lost year of development uh, for Kirby, Kirby Doc, but also um, his impact, as I mentioned earlier, on the, the ripple effect that I called it. Um, I was expecting a lot from Kirby Doc uh, this season, and the Canadians are going to have to do it without him. Yeah, and uh, another quote uh, about Kirby Doc uh, and his absence coming from Marty St. Louis. He does a lot. Like he brings a, he competes. You know, he's compete level. He brings a physical aspect to the game, not in, in, into like running around and hitting guys, but into winning a lot of pucks back. You know, he's a guy that wins a lot of pucks, like in, in, in battles and and steals pucks, uh, and obviously, you know, great in transition. He possesses. Uh, he's got a very elite brain, uh, you know, he can make plays and, uh, you know, he's, he's shown that he can do, do a lot on the ice, you know, and obviously his size and, uh, oh, listen, he's, he's a big time player for us and, you know, he's going to be missed, but you know, the, the league doesn't care. There's one team that really cares that Kirby's hurt, you know, the rest of the league doesn't care and the league keeps going. So for us, we got to keep going. Going to ignore that end part and and focus in on on what Marty said, um, and and Kirby Doc wins puck battles. He he that's why he was so good, kind of um, underused, um, but so good on the first line uh, is because because of his puck retrieval and then his ability to to uh, cover in a defensive way and then transition to offense. Um, there's few players certainly on the Montreal Canadiens uh, that have that vision. And being able to process the game, um, as as uh, Marty termed it, an elite brain. Um, probably Doc and Suzuki are the two um, smartest, in terms of hockey sense, the two smartest players who can process the game really quickly. Um, and uh, that's that's really going to be missed 
because um, he can, Kirby Doc can do some of that thinking, do some of that processing, do some of the anticipating uh, for his line mates, and uh, they're going to miss that uh, this season. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's going to leave a pretty big hole in the lineup, and uh, we'll have to see if someone else can step up and uh, maybe fill in that role. But uh, Kirby Doc, he had the size. He could win those battles along the boards. Very smart. Uh, like you said, drives the play quite a bit. So uh, certainly a shame that his season was cut so short. Absolutely. Uh, taking a look at news from around the league, uh, in the early parts of the season, there's concern about low attendance levels. Uh, some uh, teams are selling no more than 80 to 83% of their arenas. I uh, wonder if this is due to some ticket pricing. Yeah, the, the Canadians uh, have continued to increase prices. We talked about that. Even though their bottom line, um, you know, the salary it makes up uh, a, a the vast majority of their expenses and that salary cap, that cap being, um, you know, flat for the last few years has not gone up. So there was criticism uh, of that. Of course, it's a supply and demand thing and it, and it seems that the Canadians can uh, endlessly uh, raise their prices with uh, little effect. Unfortunately, that's not the case for, uh, or, or maybe fortunately uh, for other teams and they're struggling when it comes to, uh, attendance levels, uh, you know, we have to accept the reality that on both sides of the border, that inflation is just skyrocketing. Um, the, you know, I, on the press zone, I talked about the, the pandemic having uh, effects, having lasting effects that during the pandemic, um, families made new routines uh, that didn't include hockey. And that's something that I warned about then. Uh, that a lot of the the you know the stay in the entertainment at home um, routines would continue afterwards and and teams are going to have to do more whether whether it uh, is about ticket pricing whether it's uh, other ways um, to attract um, fans to to the to the rink uh, to bring them back again. Yeah, absolutely, I agree with all of that. Uh, another news uh, coming out from the NHL is uh, the NHL is asking teams for their opinions on staging a decentralized draft. So that means uh, all the players would be showing up, but uh, all of uh, the teams themselves, the general managers and whatnot, would be staying at home and uh, making the picks over a phone call. And to that, I say boo. <laughs> um, yeah, it's not official yet, but uh, I think this would be a huge misstep, especially this season coming up uh, with the draft being in Vegas. I think part of the intrigue for me wanting to attend uh, these drafts is getting to see everyone in one place, you know, looking down and seeing all the general managers talking to each other. You know, maybe you hear them, maybe you don't, and you're wondering what's going on, you know, in Montreal. Um, you got to see Brian Burke walking down the street. That That's an incredible thing in itself. Uh, so I think this would be a huge misstep. I know that uh, I think the NBA and the NFL both uh, do this, where it's uh, the team staying at home and making the picks over phone call. I, I would uh, caution against this. Yeah, I, I hate this idea. It, only the prospects um, being on site, which I guess has a certain appeal, but... The reason you go to the draft, the reason that we bring, a, and we have brought a group of, of uh, our listeners and fans and, and uh, folks that visit our website, we bring them and provide the tickets year after year after year, is that experience of seeing everybody in hockey in the same place. It's amazing. As you said, walking down the street or wandering the corridors and bumping into uh, truly legends uh, of the game, 
Um, and also being able to see the interactions, the way um, negotiations play out. Um, I, I've told these these stories before, but um, Jarmo Kekalainen and uh, and Mark Bergevin in the 2016 draft in Buffalo, the the negotiations over Pierre Luc Dubois, the angst, the yelling, the the physicality between the two of them was incredible. Um, you know, sitting and we were in in the first row in in Chicago. And I won't say which team, but there was a general manager and an agent behind, uh, sitting in the row behind, um, negotiating a salary for a player behind us. Um, and, and lots of times we were seated amongst families with, with parents and aunts and uncles who were in tears uh, when, when uh, their son, is his name is called. Um, Yes, it's selfish. Yes, I want to provide that for other fans as well. Um, being together, being able to say hello to these people, being able to uh, have that experience. NHL is is unique, as you said. NFL, the NBA, they don't have this kind of of face to face interaction. And I think it what's what it, it's what makes the draft unique in the NHL and and really attractive destination for for really passionate hardcore hockey fans. So let's uh, hope that teams say no to this. I, I, I certainly hope so, but uh, we'll see how this develops and we'll keep you up to date if there's any more reports about it. For now, uh, we'll take our first break. You'll hear a message from our sponsors, DraftKings. And then uh, during the Big Topic segment, we invite Dr. Stephen Morris to the show. So stay with us. This is the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. We are back with another week of football, and DraftKings Sportsbook is keeping us in on the NFL action with great offers every single game day. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Throw five down on any of this week's epic matchups to walk away an instant winner. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Football's more fun when you're in on the action, so download the app now and sign up with code THPN. New customers can bet just $5 to get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, with code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, KS. Licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, LA. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Canadians Connection Podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. My name is Michael Spinella. You can find me on Twitter at The Spinella. With me in the studio is the president and founder of Rocket Sports, Rick Stevens. You can give him a follow at Rocket Sports. You can also follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And check out the website CanadiansConnection.fm. 
Just a little reminder here to subscribe to the Canadians Connection podcast in the player or on your favorite podcasting app. Now, this week, Canadian center Kirby Dock was on a mission to carve his place in the lineup as a very powerful center in the National Hockey League. And the Montreal Canadiens made a firm commitment to reducing the man game's loss to injury. They made many changes to their medical staff over this offseason. And that all came crashing down on Tuesday night against the Chicago Blackhawks. With under seven minutes to go in the first period, something not so nice happened, didn't it, Rick? It sure did, Michael. It's um, it, it's heartbreaking because we talked about Kirby Doc a lot last week, and um, and and he he looked so good in in the um, in the preseason. He looked great in in game one. Uh, as we said last week, Kirby Doc uh, makes everyone around him uh, look better, play better. Um, and unfortunately, um, the incident that happened in, in that second game against the Blackhawks. Um, and so this segment, too, we're titling it, Ended Before It Began, Kirby Doc Season Is Over. And we have a very special guest to bring into the studio today. It's uh, Dr. Stephen Morris. He's going to be our medical consultant for Rocket Sports. Uh, he's joined the team. He'll, you'll see him on the podcast uh, throughout the season periodically. And... Uh, I'll welcome you to the show, Stephen Morris. How are you doing today? Michael, thanks. Rick, thanks for having me. Uh, it's great to be here finally, uh, especially as a, a listener, um, you know, to hear you guys uh, this time talking to me instead of talking at me is nice. And um, yeah, I'm just happy to be a part of uh, Rocket Sports and to offer you guys what I know about uh, all these things relating to injuries and other things that are happening with the players throughout the year. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you here, and uh, we appreciate uh, any time you can give us with your expertise. I'll just ask you before we uh, get into this segment too, too much. Uh, you're you're a Canadians fan. You're in Australia, and you're a doctor. So how did that all come about? Uh, yeah, so I guess um, it starts with me. Uh, I I grew up in Ontario. Um, I started my uh, my medical sort of journey uh, with work in uh, human biomechanics, uh, kinesiology, as well as um, doing research uh, in muscle physiology. So I've always been fascinated in um, how the body works, uh, and especially from an athletic point of view. You know, when I was at Brock, I worked with um, the varsity lacrosse team and, and other sort of uh, uh, athletes there. And then I uh, made the foyer to medicine. And, uh, you know, while medicine is not always about athletes now for me um a lot of what i know in that field does still apply to uh what's going on with nhl players whether it's injuries that we're going to talk about today uh or other aspects of um you know their performance you look at uh some of the things that have been going on in the offseason with uh, Slavkovsky, you know, I've, I've talked about his training in the offseason and, and the specifics of it. I've talked about uh, Lane Hudson and, and how well, uh, what we expect with his growth. So um, it's really interesting to be able to have these, these backgrounds uh, and apply them to the team that we all love to watch and follow. And well, I we I, appreciate it. Uh, and sorry, I was just go, about go to send it over to you, uh, Rick, to get this segment started. Sure. I, I was I was pretty excited to, to ask my first question, and and I guess it's it's because um, you know the the Canadians, as you know, this so many man games lost the, the last two seasons. Uh, there's there's as as Michael said in the opening, a commitment to change that uh, this season. But for us, it's about understanding not only injuries but training uh, regimes about. 
um, nutrition, ab- about um, rehab techni- techniques, about return to play. And, and I think with your knowledge and your background and then your passion uh, to the Montreal Canadiens, you can bring that uh, together for us. And I think it's important from the outset. And, and, and um, Stephen, you and I have talked, you're, you're, you're a medical doctor, but you're not um, any of the Montreal Canadiens medical doctor. You, you've not examined the players. You've not seen their files. Um, we're relying on um, publicly available um, information and then applying your medical knowledge and your experience to that so that we can give uh, our listeners information that, that they can trust. Um, and there was a terrible situation this, this past week with uh, all kinds of rumors about Caden Gooley and how many weeks he was going to miss. And, and, and it, you know, when the Canadians finally came out, it's, it's, it's a day-to-day injury, not, not a long-term injury. Um, so we want, we want to stay away from, from all of those, those rumors, provide information, um, that, that our listeners can, can feel confident about, um, and, and maybe explain how you can do that, um, uh, given, given your position and where you are and, and, um, your, your remote position from, from the players. Yeah, look, I mean, uh, absolutely nailed it there, Rick. Um, I have no inside uh, information personally I have nothing to do with the care of these guys um, but uh, I think and in talking with you and again being a consumer of these kinds of um, podcasts and listening to lots of sports talk um, you know I just have a different eye I think for for what you're seeing and, and can appreciate things that may be happening that maybe you know the average Joe might not see um, you know one example is I have no idea um, what Kirby's MRIs were like or anything like that but um, the other day I, I had a look at the footage and you can see on my Twitter account I've, I've broken down a couple of, of instances and we'll talk about it of where I felt he could have had an injury that that and what it may have been certainly didn't uh, try to guess you know how long he'd be out and that sort of thing um, and it ended up being you know the truth uh, and I guess it's when you understand a bit about the mechanisms of these injuries that we'll talk about and the structures involved and that sort of thing you get a better idea of what you could be dealing with but yeah I'm certainly not here to um, speculate on on you know uh, if someone's uh, broken a bone or torn a ligament before we have any more uh, information to actually confirm those things. Yeah, and we appreciate all those expertise. And uh, like we said, we're just going to go with uh, public ready information. So the official announcement uh, for Kirby Doc's injury coming from the Montreal Canadiens is uh, they said forward Kirby Doc will miss the remainder of the season after sustaining tears in his ACL and MCL in his right knee. He will undergo surgery. So maybe um, let's take a minute just to um, describe what... What is an ACL? What is an MCL? What do they do? What function do they uh, provide? And then uh, when someone injures, when someone tears um, uh, those two areas, what happens and and, uh, how does that, that affect their movement? Yeah, sure. So um, the knee really is a is an area where two primary bones come together, right? You've got your thigh bone, which is the femur, and you've got the uh, one of the primary bones of the lower limb, which is the tibia, and they sort of meet. But the thing is, bones don't just connect to each other; they need things to hold them together. And the ligaments are what connect bone to bone. Um, you have four primary ligaments of the knee: 
uh, the ACL, the PCL, the MCL, and the LCL. And the, the you know, it's a lot of terminology, but really the ones we're talking about are ACL, which is a reference to the anterior cruciate ligament, and the MCL, which is the medial cruciate ligament. The, um, the ligaments function to actually just stabilize the knee in different directions. So as you can imagine, you know, when we walk forward, turn, twist, plant, our knee gets forces pushed on it in all directions, and it has to be able to stabilize. Otherwise, it would just, you know, open up or, or bend in the wrong way. So that's what the function of these ligaments are, is to each provide their own little piece of the puzzle in stabilizing the knee. Um, you know, you talked uh, a bit of, at the start about um, or you may have mentioned uh, earlier before the show about football versus hockey. Um, and, uh, you know, you can imagine with the way that people move in hockey versus something like football, uh, there's a lot less of that immediate stop plant twist stuff. And so ACL injuries on the whole um, and tears to the ligaments are not seen as much in hockey. Um, MCL maybe a bit. Uh, but it's certainly not as prevalent. Um, and the thing is, when you tear one of these ligaments, and, and you know, just to go to the official statement by the Canadians, I mean, saying you have a torn ligament, they don't say if it's complete or partial, and that's something to consider. But you know, usually when you see a surgery, you're talking about something complete. Um, when you have tears, it's really taking away the ability to stabilize in that direction. So with curve, like when you think about ACL and an MCL, um, you're talking about, imagine you're sort of trying to walk downstairs and when you step down on the stair, your knee, your leg sort of bends backwards. Uh, and that would be the ACL missing because normally it would support that movement. If you're trying to twist or plant, you may feel like your legs giving out on you. You can't really pivot. Um, you have these uh, slipping sensations. So um, that's what you would feel if you had an ACL or an MCL injury, pretty much. I mean, and there's certainly no way you'd be playing hockey or football or anything on that. So our next question is, well, how does something like this happen? Uh, looking at uh, your Twitter account and the video you posted, I see a hit by Jared Tenorti. Is Jared Tenorti really the one to blame here? Or is there something else that uh, could have happened? Is this something that maybe relates to his training and conditioning or simply just bad luck? Yeah, I think, you know, we can all probably agree that there's always going to be in a game like hockey, there's always going to be a component of bad luck. And I certainly wouldn't uh, look at that injury and say Jared Tenorti's to blame, although, of course, he was part of the, the injury happening. Really, the way that, in my view, from looking at that, the way Kirby's injuries happened to both his ACL and his MCL is as he's skating along the boards, you can see his right foot is planted uh and it's it's going linearly sort of up and down the ice um but when jared pushes him from the side uh he kirby bends his body and twists it and so he has a planted foot that he's twisting on now and getting pushed against so because actually kirby's leg is I, I imagine quite strong and able to hold that position and not fall off his skate that actually contributes to him getting that injury because the bottom half of his leg stays in one way, but the top half spins. So it was at that moment that I imagine is when he actually had his injury and then he gets pushed into the boards and, you know, skates off and doesn't come back for another shift. So now um, the, the injury has been diagnosed. Uh, the next step is treatment and the Canadians have already announced that Kirby doc uh, will need surgery um, so what, what's the surgical process to, re, to repair a ligament? Uh, how long does that surgery take? What's, what's, um, what happens, uh, when, when, uh, Kirby doc has surgery? So when you talk about complete tears of the ACL, um, really the, the most common and the most long, like time tested way to fix that is, is called a graft reconstruction. 
It's done through um, cameras uh, into the knee, so it's called arthroscopic. Um, and there's there's two options really. Um, when you tear a ligament, it's not going to repair itself as a, as a nature of uh, the lack of blood supply to the ligaments. We have to put something else there in its place. The two options that you have that are primarily used, number one is a, what's called an autograft. So it's a, uh, a graft from the own person. Uh, so let's say, Rick, if you were to uh, tear your ACL, they would offer you to take either a piece of your patella tendon, which is the front bit of your knee, or a piece of one of the tendons in your, um, your hamstring to replace uh, what you've lost inside the knee. So they actually take a snippet and put it inside of your knee. Um, the other options for people, probably not so much in Kirby's position, would be what's called an allograft or a cadaver graft. Um, and that's using uh, the ligament from someone else uh, and putting it in. And those are usually cadavers. Um, in terms of you know when this surgery should take place uh, after an injury, it's not really clear. But generally, they tend to wait until someone's knee is less uh, inflamed and acutely um, swollen, and that's because they find that the surgical outcomes and complication rates in the short term are better in that way. The, the complicating factor of this, though, is not, it's not just an ACL injury. He's also got MCL, and, and to be honest, he probably has, this is a guess, but I imagine he has uh, meniscus involved as well, and that's what we call the terrible triad, uh, an injury to the ACL, MCL, and medial meniscus. So he may require some work on those two as well. You can... You can um, you can autograft an MCL as well. Um, one of the things is when you have so much force pulling on these ligaments is that they can actually tear bone away as well. So you may need to suture that bone back on to, or back together. Um, so there's a lot of intricacies to it, but, but so for the most part, you're basically just taking uh, tendons from one area of your own body and putting it where the ligaments should be and uh, allowing those to set, uh, allowing the bones to fuse and then rehabilitating the leg around it really. So it's good to know that I have one third of a terrible of the terrible triad. I have a medial meniscus tear <laughs> in my right knee. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, speaking of uh, recovery process here, uh, just wondering if you could speak to what that process is and with rehab, how long do you think that would take? And even when he does come back uh, and he's started to uh, starting to skate and starting to walk, uh, how long would you expect it to be before he's back to a hundred percent? Yeah, like I, I think that the typical the, we're talking about a different group of people, right? Like an elite athlete, an NHL athlete is is such a small percentage of the population, and their pre-injury state is so high in terms of their level of fitness and their level of strength that their <clears throat> expected recurrent returns to sport are are definitely different from what the average population is. Typically, we see something like eight to twelve months, and that's primarily because of one statistic uh, which I'll give you and that is that the number one or, or the biggest uh, factor relating to re-injury or, or a complication following this is time to return. So people that return earlier have been found to be the leading cause of re-injury. So you always want to be cautious with these and I think like looking at the way that things have changed with the Habs in terms of their medical management in the last season is they're going to be cautious as heck with this um, because they don't want to end up with any storylines that are that are coming from last year which is another season gone or another long-term injury that they've sort of mismanaged let's say um, so in in professional athletes so you see different timelines like uh, you know I can go into a couple of examples but you may see something like even six months seven months um, because they have lots of resources they train very hard and it's really their full-time job to get their knee back to strength 
the the minimum requirements for returning to sport are to demonstrate that your knee has the adequate strength, proprioception, and function as the non-injured knee. And if you can do that and do that with confidence, then we're talking about getting back to things. Uh, just to follow up before uh, we move yeah. along here, um, once he does get back in, on the ice and start skating, do you think he will have some trouble with how it feels? Is this going to feel very different than it was before? Maybe he'll have to kind of relearn some things. Uh, I don't. I don't imagine so. Honestly, like, um, I I think that when you start out, um, there's a couple of things, and and part of it is physical, but the other is mental. Um, when you have these kinds of injuries, and you'll hear people talk about this, it's not about whether your knee works or not, but it's just about being comfortable, number one, on, on using something that has just been repaired, but also being in certain positions on the ice. So Kirby's going to have to, you know, go up and down the boards, get some brushes and, and realize that, um, you know, his knee is not going to fail him and, and gain the confidence to a degree of being in more vulnerable positions with his with his new knee. We're talking about six to seven months from now. I think that is going to be almost a bigger part of it than how he actually skates or how his um, biomechanics are or such. And I think related to that, uh, and and it's probably the most important question for uh, Habs fans, is is the outcome of, of uh, this surgery and recovery and his return to the ice. Um, can you talk about uh, a history of, of athletes who have had this surgery, uh, some successes, some failures? I can personally think of uh, Tom Brady, who had that surgery and obviously had a, a long, very long career after that. As a Vikings fan, um, I think of Adrian Peterson, who after the surgery had one of his best, the best seasons of his career. Um, in hockey, there's Joe Thornton. Um, and, and maybe Andre Markov, um, who wasn't, didn't look the same, uh, afterwards, um, after, after his injury and his surgery. So, um, what's likely for, for Kirby, um, he plays, plays the game on the edge. He uses his speed. He, um, he, he's a physical player. Um, is, is he going to be able to reach his potential, or at least, um, you know, what, what we all expect of, of a third overall pick. So Kirby has one thing going for him that someone like Andre Markov does not. And I'll give you, I'll give you one guess as to what that is. It'd be age. Yeah. Age. Yeah. Absolutely. His age. Yeah. So, um, there is a research study, uh, on ACL injuries in NHL hockey players, um, by Sika et al, uh, in 2015 through the Minnesota orthopedic center. And they examined 47 players over a span of, uh, four years from 2006 to 2010, 36 of which being forwards. Um, they looked at how they were performing before and after their ACL surgeries, um, and they found that on the whole and on average, um, you know, forwards that had ACL repairs in the next two seasons were dropping their games played by about 20%. They were scoring less points, um, and only uh, just under a quarter of them were actually able to maintain their production from pre-injury to post-injury. In addition to that, they found that, you know, they were only playing about 2.8 years on average after their injuries and the presence of things like meniscal injuries we talked about earlier actually independently related to reductions in career length. So that sounds pretty bleak, but they, they said that the major risk factor for poor outcomes was age and actually age over 30 particularly, which makes sense Mm -hmm. as an over 30, I can imagine that I can barely go for a run without, you know, having aches and pains. So Mm -hmm. imagine getting an ACL repair. Um, But let me ask you guys this question. What do you think of uh, 
Anders Lee as a player. Um, I think he's good. Yeah, he was a very yeah. uh, solid player for sure. Yeah, so Anders Lee, I didn't know this until now because I watch him play and I think he's great. He does exactly, you know, honestly, when I think about Kirby Doc, he's a big body. He's a guy that can go to the front of the net um, and he plays a, certainly a bit of a grittier game. Um, he had a ACL repair uh, in the season of 2020, um, or 2021, sorry, uh, and he was back on the ice in six months. So he missed sort of the back half and return for training camp the next year. His injury season, he only played 27 games, but he was on a 0.44 points per game. When he came back, season one, post-surgery, 0.6 points per game, played 76 games. Season two, uh, post-surgery, 0.6 points per game. 82 games played. Um, so, 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 you know, you look at the, the research on this uh, and then you look at someone who's probably a closer comp to what's actually going on. And you can see that it's not all doom and gloom uh, for someone like Kirby and his young age and the, the, you know, plethora of time he has to actually get back on ice, I think are going to serve him well. And uh, I would be happy to say that I, I don't think he's going to suddenly drop off a cliff. Well, you talked about his his mental approach and and um, important that that uh, how he reacts to this injury. Unfortunately, he has plenty of experience, um, and we look at his injury history and he you know concussion and then a wrist in 2021, 2020 and 21 missed 64 games, upper and lower body injury last year missed 24 games and now he'll miss about 80 games this season. Um, what do you have to say about the, you know, the label being injury prone? Is is that uh, is that fair? Is that real? Um, is it just luck, as as uh, was mentioned earlier? I think that in some cases it is real, um, but you know that would be regarding sort of re-injuring stuff. So we know that people with you know injury to one area, um, as I talked to you about the ACL stats, their chance of re-injury is certainly there and higher than anyone to receive a new ACL injury. Um, but I think when we talk about this sport, I mean, you watch the game, and especially if you, if you ever watch game live or you're sort of ringside, you can really appreciate the speed and the force at which this happens. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you know, you can train as much as you want, but if someone slashes your wrist, they slash your wrist. And you can train as much as you want, but if you um, have a freak sort of incident where you're pushed into the boards the wrong way, that just is what it is. I think what players do and, and what, what teams are after is for them to uh, prevent the preventable. So, you know, we talk about, and, and I'll have some work coming up probably over the course of this year regarding um load management. Uh, This is something that we can actually do for players to help prevent injuries uh, throughout a season that we know is quite long and arduous. Um, And so to that point, there are preventable injuries, but I think at the end of the day, like, you know, there's there's just trauma and that's what happens. Um, It's what they know they're getting into and all they can do is prep their bodies as best as possible um, to hopefully prevent uh, being in those vulnerable situations. Another aspect of that, of course, is just how you play the game. You know, some people play uh, a much more physical style or physical brand, and they be more—they may be more sort of prone to these injuries than someone who plays around the periphery, takes shots from the half boards, and sort of you know skates around a little bit, goes for a change, and then doesn't get too dirty on the walls. So a Brendan Gallagher versus uh, Jonathan yeah, exactly. Duran, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Look at Brendan Gallagher, right? I mean, geez, how many times? I, I don't think any amount of push-ups would stop Brendan Gallagher's hand from breaking when Shea Weber took a shot at it. So <laughs> exactly, 
<laughs> well, thank you very much, Stephen, uh, for joining us today. We appreciate the expertise. Uh, looking forward to chatting with you more throughout the season as our medical consultant. But of course, uh, I think the less we talk to you, that's probably what's better for the team. <laughs> that means fewer injuries, of course. Uh, but uh, where can all the good people find you on social media? No worries. That's that's what my patients say to me as well, Michael. So that's fine. I don't take offense to it anymore. Um, so uh, they can find me on Twitter at Doc Morris MD. Um, that's where I post my uh, thoughts about what's going on with the Habs and their training injuries, that sort of thing. Um, and yeah, I look forward to being a part of it and uh, giving you guys my insight on anything else that happens in the rest of the year. Awesome. So, oh, sorry, you had some. No, something I just think it, it, it was a terrific segment. We really appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I no agree. worries. Thank you. Uh, so uh, with that, uh, we're going to have our Canadians Connection Question of the Week coming up in segment three. Uh, so we'll take our final break here and uh, we'll get to that momentarily. Stay with us. Thank you for listening to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends, show your Habs. The Rocket Sports Media team wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag showyourhabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to showyourhabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, log in to thn.com slash Montreal, your year-round source for anything Habs-related. That's thn.com slash Montreal. Welcome back to episode 266 of the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. You can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Plus, check out our website, canadiansconnection.fm. And feel free to text us anytime via the Rocket Sports text line. It's 5853-ROCKET. That's 5853-ROCKET. And here's what you need to know. Uh, we have all of our Rocket Sports media coverage of the Can- of the Montreal Canadiens in one place. Just head over to THN.com slash Montreal. 
on there, you'll find all our game day previews, post-game reports, uh, feature articles, notepads, anything and everything you need to stay up to date on the Montreal Canadiens. We also have a YouTube channel, and uh, we've been using it quite a bit lately. So head over to YouTube, just search at All Habs, and subscribe to our channel. On there, you will find the Habs Hockey Report show. Uh, Amy Johnson hosts that uh, once per week, and the latest episode is entitled, Okay, Habs Hockey Gods, enough already. So (laughs) she gets into it on that one. Uh, You'll want to tune in, leave a like, leave a comment, hit subscribe. And brand new to our channel on YouTube is the Rocket Hockey Report. Uh, this is the best way to stay up to date with the uh, Habs prospects in Laval. And uh, you'll want to tune into that as well. If you have any interest in uh, keeping up to date with Habs prospects and the Laval Rocket, that's going to be your inside source as uh, the premiere show was just posted uh, this past week. So tune into that. Also, we put this podcast on YouTube now, The Canadian's Connection. Last week's episode, Habs Hidden Gems, uh, fans must have guide to enjoy the season. So make sure you tune into that. Maybe you're already listening to YouTube. If you are, hit subscribe. If you're not, head over to our channel, hit subscribe as well. Leave a like, leave a comment, and uh, we would love to hear from you. Also, make sure you subscribe to this podcast. Uh, this uh, is a premiere Rocket Sports Radio podcast, and we're on all of your favorite podcasting apps. It's the Canadians Connection. You can also find all of our episodes at canadiansconnection.fm. We are your inside link to the Montreal Canadiens. We're committed to be uh, that inside link, and, and one of the changes that we've done this year, you heard him in the second segment, Doc Morris. Uh, he's going to be back throughout the season, and he can speak with some authority uh, intelligently about um, about injuries, about the way back um, for Kirby Doc and others, and and uh, we're really uh, pleased to have him, and as well as the other changes that have been made. Those are the the, the video shows uh, on YouTube are terrific. Um, both the Habs Hockey Report and the Rocket Hockey Report. Yeah, and a big congratulations to uh, Amy Johnson for hosting the premiere episode of the Rocket Hockey Report this past week. I tuned in. I enjoyed it quite a bit. So just a little extra encouragement uh, for everyone to go on and check that out. And uh, you mentioned some changes. Well, there's uh, one more thing. Uh, We are covering the QMJHL at uh, the Hockey News. Just head over to THN.com slash QMJHL. And uh, Rick, I believe we're going to be recruiting a little bit for this. I think so. We have a new site. We'd like some extra writers. So if you want experience, if you'd love to see your name on, um, you know, a publication that's posted to the venerable The Hockey News um, and uh, you're passionate about hockey in Quebec, you're passionate about junior hockey, you're passionate about the QMJHL, we really want to hear from you. So reach out to us on social media Send us a text at 5853-ROCKET or an email, hello at rocketsportsmedia.com. And now we turn it over to our listeners. Our Canadians Connection question of the week is, in the absence of Kirby Doc, who do you think will step up to the plate and fill his role? We want to make sure that we hear from you. Uh, You can text us via the Rocket Sports text line, 5853-ROCKET. You can reach out to us on social media. And Rick, I believe if people have something a little bit more to say, they can email us as well. Sure can. Hello at rocketsportsmedia.com. 
So we get tons of tweets, emails, comments, everything. <laughs> Lots of people reach out to us, and uh, we get plenty of messages throughout the week. Uh, the latest episode of the Canadians Connection was your must-have guide to enjoying Habs hockey. Uh, it's episode 265, and we got quite a bit of reaction uh, to that. Uh, our first reaction uh, comes from Bill uh, McLean, and uh, Rick, I'll let you get this one started. Bill's in Lunenburg, Nova Scotia, as we've said, our Habs fan community is is everywhere, and he reached out out to us on Facebook um, and uh, look for our Habs Connection um, Facebook page. And he said uh, there's some undisciplined penalties, and they'll usually hurt on the scoreboard. It's never easy to play shorthanded. Uh, the team is very fast and has shown some amazing plays. So uh, he likes the speed that he sees. He doesn't like the indiscipline. Uh, we have a Facebook reply coming from Phil in Irwin, uh, Tennessee. Uh, what Phil had to say is, I like the 75 uh, t- team points, uh, possibly higher, uh, but still out of the playoffs. Uh, division is tough. Caulfield uh, around goals in a full season. Uh, Doc already injured. Oh, no. New hook, 40 points plus for sure. Uh, like to see Slavkovsky get 30 plus points. So big thank you to Phil for that one. Alan Hunter via Facebook says, um, I'm a bit disappointed with Laval's start. Uh, there's lots of young prospects. Indeed, there are, Alan. And uh, fortunately, uh, Laval got their very first win uh, of the season on Friday night. Uh, Bruce from Gander, Newfoundland reached out to us on Facebook as well. Uh, Bruce says, Habs versus Wild was a bit of a, of a train wreck to watch. <laughs> I agree, Bruce, uh, very much so. <laughs> Yeah, indeed it was. Uh, Art on uh, Facebook says, uh, and and I should I should preface this that um, uh, the the most comments uh, if if there was uh, one topic that people wanted to talk about this past week, it was about the Canadians opening uh, home opener ceremony. Uh, there were so ma- so many comments, um, and uh, I picked one of them, uh, and that comes from Art. Um, he says, I'm a lifelong Habs fan, born and raised in Montreal. I was thoroughly disappointed in the fans at the Bell Centre for booing the kid, talking about Connor Bedard, no class at all. Um, and then some others went on and, and referenced um, hockey gods about the bad ceremony and the uh, connection to, to Kirby Doc. They talked about the ghost of the forum and so on. Um, people were very upset about um the, the lack of, of uh, history in uh, the opening ceremony. And we were reached out to by Leo via email, and uh, you heard me say that uh, our ECHL coverage might have been coming from request. Well, this is part of the reason why uh, Leo reached out to us and said, hello, thank you very much for highlighting Rocket uh, and AHL in uh, general in the podcast. Uh, is it possible to spend some time on the Lions and talk more about how things are going in the ECHL in the podcast form? Well, uh, the Lions season just started, and uh, we did give you a little bit of info on that. So that comes from our very devoted listener, uh, Leo. Yeah, and you can, um, we, I can confirm that uh, Chris G is is uh, very interested in covering uh, the Trois Rivera Lions. If you go to our site. Um, at thn.com slash Montreal, you'll see a number of uh, articles on the Trois-Rivières Lions, including um, talking a, a preview of the season. Their opening night was uh, just on Friday, uh, so we weren't ignoring them. We were just waiting for uh, for their season to start. 
And uh, Montreal season uh, gets a little bit busier this week. Uh, we have four games between uh, now and our next podcast. Uh, the first one comes tonight, Saturday, October the 21st. Washington visits Montreal. Uh, day of break in between before Montreal heads over to Buffalo on the 23rd. It's going to be a back-to-back as uh, New Jersey comes to visit Montreal the day after. Uh, day off, and then on the 26th of October, uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets come to Montreal. So a bit of a mix in competition, but uh, plenty of fun games that we're looking forward to watching. And that'll be Jake Allen in goal for uh, the Canadians at the Bell Centre tonight against the Capitals. So that's going to be a wrap for us today. Uh, Thank you all for tuning in and listening. Make sure you subscribe to the Canadians Connection podcast in the player or on any of your favorite podcasting apps. Share it on social media, too, if you like what you heard. Enjoy the week. We'll be back here next Saturday, October the 28th, for another great episode. Thank you all for listening to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. Click subscribe so you never miss an episode of Canadians Connection. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Rocket Sports.